Sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Dodeau, Matt Donnelly, and Randy Ridge, Penn and I. We're broadcasting from our separate homes in Las Vegas. This week, Penn and Teller appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Godot saved a dog, and we'll cover some more foolish recaps. Here he is, preach and love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah, I'm preaching love. I am preaching love. Boy, boy, it was weird to do Fallon. Oh, man. A level of weird that you can't believe. Doing The Tonight Show. And I don't mean Fallon. I mean The Tonight Show. You know, we did it while Carson was doing it, although he wasn't the host at the time, but we did it while Carson was doing it. We did it when Leno was doing it. We've done it with Fallon. Doing The Tonight Show is heavy shit. If you're in show business, going on The Tonight Show is a big fucking deal. Now, I know it's less of a deal than it used to be. used to be there was one show, now there's 20. Um, And nobody has the market share they used to have. You know, the Beverly Hillbillies' worst show in terms of ratings would be the best show that's been seen in this century. You know, ratings have changed. Like a number one record now sells what? 20,000 copies mean nothing. Right. Um, but it's still, to me, Tonight Show. The Tonight Show means we go back and forth talking to the people, uh, the bookers with Glenn. We send video back and forth. We discuss what trick we're doing, how it's playing. Then we take time off from our Vegas show. And we fly from Vegas to New York City. And we try to get a good night's sleep. We go in that afternoon and we rehearse. And they bring in someone to play the part of the host. And we run through. And we do camera blocking. And we discuss the bit. And then we sit in our dressing room for two hours and do nothing. Eat carrot sticks and a cookie. Jimmy comes in and says hi. We chat a little. We go over and see the roots. Talk to the roots a little bit. Talk about music a bit. You see the other guests and go, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I saw you. Oh, yeah, I saw you guy. Show starts. He does the monologue. You listen to the monologue, say, anything here I want to do a callback? You see he does his, his departments. You go, maybe I'll call that back during this. That kind of fits. Listen to the interview. Toward the end of the interview, you're totally into the show. They walk you back, you're backstage, you watch the monitor, they check your hair, they check your makeup. I forgot that. You go and sit in hair and makeup for like a half an hour. Right. Then they call you, you walk out, give Jimmy a handshake, a hug, a little bit of questioning. What you got for us? You do the bit. Thank you. Good night. You dance in place. It's a big deal. Jimmy says, boy, that's a great shot. Always great having you on. We say we love doing the show. you got the talent booker. She's wonderful. We love her. You go out with your buddies in New York. You go out, you have a, you know, vegan Indian meal. <laughs> wonderful time. You go home, back to the hotel. 
You go to sleep, you get up, you fly back to Vegas. It is an event. Three days of peace and love. You go and do that, and you're nervous. This time, we did a thing with Zabrecki that was a takeoff of the very first bit we did on Letterman. We did the very first bit we ever did on Letterman. We did a takeoff of it in a Zoom form. We did it for Zabrecki uh, when he was doing his thing from the Magic Castle. It went well. We sent that recording to The Tonight Show. They said yes. <laughs> <laughs> the morning of the show, we got up. I put on shirt, tie, and vest, ran my little induction things for my hearing aids down. I did not put on pants at all. We did our tech rehearsal, which was, we went on to Zoom. <laughs> it said, tonight show. <laughs> the guy came on and said, let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, yeah, your background looks okay. Uh, Lighting looks good. Sound good. We're set. Uh, said, want to run it? And they said, yeah, we'll get someone to be Jimmy. We sat for not long. Five minutes. It was efficient. <laughs> um, woman in a mask came on. Um, she said, I'll be Jimmy. We did the bit. We finished it. She said, Okay in the booth, the director said, good for us. They said, you guys okay? We said, uh, yeah. They said, we'll give you a couple questions. I said, okay. They said, okay, see you in an hour and a half. <laughs> I sat in my suit for an hour and a half at my desk. I then got up. I walked out and said hi to my children, said <laughs> hi to my wife, said, we're going to do the Tonight Show now. So don't bang on the door and don't have the dog bark. They said, okay, we'll put him in the non-barking room. <laughs> so uh, came back in, called up on Zoom, uh, waited five minutes. Jimmy came on. Jimmy said, wow, this is weird shit, isn't it? I said, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Man, I mean, I'm back in the studio, but there's – there's nobody here. I hope this is over. This is terrible. I said, yeah. He said, but good to see you. Are you being safe? I said, yeah, good to see you. You being safe? He said, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm ready. Okay, me too. Okay, let's roll. Jimmy told a really beautiful story about us letting him open for us. I never heard that story before. Yeah. We let him open for us when he wasn't doing that well. Because we thought he was good. And uh, it was, to him, a huge break in his career. Um, there's no doubt Jimmy Fallon would have done just as well without us. But shh, <laughs> tell him. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work that way. You have to claim credit for it. <laughs> and then we did our bit. You know, he talked. We did our bit. And Jimmy said, uh, oh, Always a pleasure having you guys on. <laughs> Done. So I waited on Zoom a little bit. No one came on. I hit the button. Turned off my quick time. 
sent them the Dropbox link. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll take my shirt off. <laughs> took my shirt off, took my vest off, hung them up in the closet. Went out and said, we, we just did the Tonight Show. <laughs> so he said, that's funny. It's the afternoon and you did the Tonight Show. That's funny. <laughs> I saw well, that. That's not what's funny about it. Huh. They said to go well. I went, yeah. I went back and I called Teller. Teller said, what? Oh, seemed good. I said, yeah, seemed good. And we started working on Fool Us. And we said, well, this and Teller said, you know, in a lot of ways, that was a lot easier than usual. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, there was, we weren't on airplanes for, you know, yeah. 13 hours. Didn't wait around in the studio. And then kind of the punchline is all these people said, what are your best shots on Fallon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know how many moves you normally do in that routine, but obviously Teller has to do all the moves to himself. So Yeah, well, I was doing all the hard work in that bit. Now I'm not. <laughs> and I got this thing to put behind me because everybody had been complaining that do we have rights to Ronaldo and Clara and Bob Dylan, was he going to sue us? And I had to tell them no, and they'd argue with me. <laughs> So I got this uh, little thing that's every color used in the movie Fantasia. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Those are great posters. I hung it up. Why am I saying I? Emily did all of this. <laughs> she got it. She hung it up. <laughs> and it was behind my head. And they were happy with that. And now I went back to Bob Dylan because this is my fucking show. Fuck you. <laughs> You know what's sad? You didn't get to take the name tag off the door. And do you save those? Because that, for me, that's the coolest part of having done any of those shows. Is like, you know, hey, look, here's my name. It says The Tonight Show. You know, Michael Goudeau on the bottom of this card. <laughs> and I didn't get a gift basket from Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't get to steal a cup. I always steal my Tonight Show cup. I have guest one, guest two, guest three from every iteration. I have all the cups. That's cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I also judge. Of course, today I'm using a puffin cup. But <laughs> if I'm feeling really good about myself, I use Late Show, you know, Letterman, guest one. I have that cup. Yeah. Guest one, Letterman. Wow. When I feel good about myself, I use that. When I'm feeling shitty about myself, I pull out the view. <laughs> Where does the puffin fall in that range? <laughs> That's I'm not even working today. The puffin means I've fallen out of show business. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have about uh, three or four dozen cups. Wow. I was told by um, Bill Maher when I did his show, that the only people who stole the cups were rappers and me. <laughs> but I don't know if I could be said to steal it because I say, Bill, I'm taking this cup. And then Bill says, we don't really have 
uh, they're not really souvenir cups. They're just really the cups we use. I go, yeah, I'm taking it. <laughs> so that was doing the uh, Tonight Show. Is that the most awkward cup taking was the Bill Maher one? Or have you had other interactions when you try to take a cup? Uh, usually they say, uh, sure, sure, sure. Right away. <laughs> Only Bill Maher begrudged me the cup. Comes out of his salary. <laughs> He's got to go to call the printer and get a new one made. Some of them have said, and this is funny, one show I did called The Preachers. It was um, uh, four preachers <laughs> who had a show like The View, and they wanted to have an atheist on. And I said, I'm going to take this cup. And the stage manager said, um, it's just a decal that we printed, cut it out and rubber cemented <laughs> it on. It's not really a printed cup. I said, even funnier. <laughs> it is even funnier. <laughs> Preachers lasted three weeks, I think. I was going to say, that doesn't imply that they're cheap. It implies that they're not planning ahead. Getting printed cups is very cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's implying, well, we don't know. Next week, we'll we don't be know. the trapeze yeah. artists. This, this cup could be another TV show's cup tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet that was the producer's job. <laughs> yeah. Should we order? Should we order mugs? No, no. I've worked a long time in TV. You, you're going to rubber cement a logo on there because we don't know what's shooting here next week. Let's wait till after rehearsal. We'll make the decision after rehearsal. Okay, we'll run through, and then we'll decide we're printing cups. I think the hosts it was four men, one flamboyant and one, uh, and they were. It was very clear the demographic they were going for, because they were. Uh, they all identified as African American. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, it was very nice. They were they were very nice to the atheists. I think one of them had never even considered that that thing existed. Really? Yeah. That's probably a good episode. We should watch a super it. Super believer. Yeah. And one of them was very flamboyant, you know, dressed like Little Richard, and someone was very on on television. Is is Piers Morgan the person who's been the most unkind to you by being an atheist? Yeah, I would say so. And then he turned around. He's now a friend of mine. <laughs> of course. <laughs> We were in England and we were like hugging and great to see each other and love you on the air. He was going, one of my good friends. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because, uh, I, I, and I, you know, I, this is not really fair, but it's my feeling. I think he was protesting too much. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wanted very much to be seen as Catholic and didn't seem to know anything about Catholicism. <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a popular stance these days. <laughs> he didn't seem to know the Pope was the kind of the head. <laughs> so yeah, it was so uh, so deeply, deeply melancholy and easy. It was a good spot. Yeah, did you see it? I did. I watched it. It was, it was very good. Good spot. First off, Jimmy, tell that story about you guys having him open open for him uh, after after he bombed. And and you guys helping him recover. That was a really cool story, and he was so great at telling it. Um, 
I was even curious if you'd even remembered or whether like your your manager just said, Hey, we gotta let some kid open for us, and you're like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um that really that really was pretty much it, except I'd seen a little bit of his set because we were in Montreal. Right. And thought he was good and met him the next day. Oh, okay. And I think that I don't think I met him accidentally. Oh, yes. And Jimmy yeah, thought yeah. it would be a good idea if he bumped into me. Got it. Yeah. Because I came out of a room and he said, Hi. I'm uh, Jimmy, and there's a chance I'll be. Uh, you know. That is, I mean, honestly, the, the Just for Laughs, the Montreal Festival. I only got to go to one of them when the Apple Sisters, my wife's comedy group, the Apple Sisters, were in it. And it is like that, and it's so exciting. Like I just kept running into Judd Apatow, kept having drinks with the uh, with the uh, Trey Parker and, and Matt Stone, like just cause. And like yeah. it was like, it's like. You're like, please don't let this festival end. I just keep running into funny people I admire <laughs> who will gladly have a drink with me. It was one of them that Adam Sandler and I took a two and a half hour walk. <laughs> just because. Wow. Yeah. We we're both heading out for a walk. So let's go together. That's great. And I, you know, I, I kind of felt close to Adam ever since then, even though we only see each other sporadically. Right. You know, a long walk. You, you talk a lot. Let me guess. He was the nicest guy in the world. And, you know, smart. <laughs> That's like, it's like people hate him because how boring that is. All people do is say that Adam Sandler is the nicest guy you'll ever meet when you talk to him. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, goddammit. I've, I've met and I've been the other kind. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just much less fun than you think. Oh, yeah. So... I want to talk about magic in the news. Okay. Because magic has been the top story the past 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we went to see Kreskin. Kreskin is one of my least favorite entertainers. <laughs> I guess my least favorite entertainer. I've told that story about him not starting uh-huh. until we... I was there. What a great day. We were forced to leave, and we weren't forced to leave. So strange. And Kreskin is uh, a scumbag. But one of the things scumbags do, and it always amazes me that this works, always amazes me. It's a magic technique that is so bold-faced, you can't believe it's going to work. And we've used it. (laughs) Because in entertainment, it's not immoral. It's only immoral if you're lying in general. (laughs) <laughs> but Kreskin puts on a blindfold like this with billets, which is pieces of paper that magicians call billets. And he's going to do a reading. People have written down their questions. They put them in. He's going to, he's going to divine them um, psychically. And he puts on a blindfold and then says, some people think I'm just looking right down my nose under the blindfold, and reading them in my hand. I'm not. That's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) He explains in detail the method that he's using and then just says, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Gary Hart said, nothing wrong in my life. Follow me around and take pictures. They did. (laughs) 
Lindsey Graham said, <laughs> you can use these words against me. Yeah. It's pretty great. Nobody cares. <laughs> no. That's not true. Uh, about 49% of the people care. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just him. You know, Mitch McConnell's on TV saying, we would never, ever do this. We wouldn't. If, if, if the primaries had started, we would not push through yeah, but, a Supreme but Court Mitch, nominee. But Mitch knew he was lying when he said it, though. And has said as much. Yeah. He has said as much following. I actually think <laughs> Lindsey Graham believed himself. That's what makes it funnier. I think Lindsey Graham was. I don't know. I think Lindsey Graham was trying to be truthful at that moment. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he might have been Kreskin. Okay. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that lying sacks of shit motherfuckers have set a precedent. Yes. And that looks like the precedent we're going to go with, which is crazy. <laughs> it means that the inauguration means nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like when you say 90 is an A, 89 is a B. And someone gets an 89 and you go, man, it's close enough. <laughs> I, it seems like there are points of demarcation in order to stop, in order that we can decide. It's arbitrary. I don't care when inauguration is. I don't care how long the term is. All of that stuff we can talk about. But once you've said, here's where the president changes, and you've made that down to the second, because you got to. Yeah. <laughs> you can't start saying, well, I'm almost president. You can't start saying, well, he's, he's not really president anymore. Right. It seems like if you make a line, stick to it. It also seems like we are now codifying two wrongs make a right. Yep. That's correct. We're writing that in. <laughs> We're calling it precedent. Yeah. The precedent now is two wrongs make a right. So you do this, I do this back. And it, the whole idea of the United States was we do bloodless coups. We vote and we make the change. Yeah. Now it seems like it's all Flight 93. Doesn't matter what we have to do. This is an emergency. Yeah. And by the way, I feel that 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's wrong, but yeah. I feel it. I didn't think I was going to be as greatly affected by it as I was. But I was authentically, like, really, like, panicked and sad at the same time. And yeah. when I, in my, was really, like, wallowing. Like, I, I have a friend who's, uh, who's going around the country doing, like, he was staying safe, masked up, solo videos, going to weird, weird locations, but doing, trying to do TikTok because he was getting out of LA because it's on fire. Um, and was about 30 miles north towards Utah and his car broke down and it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I was like, oh good. I am being a really shitty husband and dad right now because I'm really depressed and wallowing. I could go sit by the side of the road and wait for a tow truck with my friend. I'm out of here. <laughs> Man up from heaven was me sitting on the side of a desert road with my sweaty friend. 
That's like <laughs> my uh, mother-in-law. Yeah, has a uh, very good friend of hers who's who's ill, and she's been suffering with that, and it's been horrible. And she came into the room, and she was very upset. And I said, uh, oh, oh, dear, oh, dear. And uh, I knew that her friend had had a turn for the worst. And she said, Ginsburg died. Mm. And I said, that's, that's got to be a different level, right? It's got to be. <laughs> but I don't think it is. Right. I think people are experiencing it yeah. uh, at, a, at a, a more apocalyptic level than even a, someone they love dying. In magic... Uh, I, I remember you telling a story uh, where James Randi was doing a trick for you, and he had worked the word switch into the talk when he did the switch. Yeah, he said he was doing a college show, and he had an envelope that the um, dean of the college had kept with him the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he wanted that envelope to be held up by the guy. So he took the envelope and said, you've been holding this, and now you're going to take it and hold it up over your head like this. And while he was doing that move, and I was 18, and I was starstruck at being backstage with Randy. And Randy said, nice to meet you, Penn. Nice to meet you, Teller. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Harry Houdini had dyslexia. Do you know what that is? That would be when he would switch one thing for another. He would switch two letters. Hold that up over your head. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> he, he, just, he just said the word switch while he did the switch in front of the guy that's the punchline for his whole fucking show. <laughs> I have to be in show business. <laughs> Try to find that joy in these political statements. I know. <laughs> because that is exactly what it is. That is the same trick there. They Except it's fooling no one. It's fooling no one. But it's not a trick. It's hysterical to see them do it. I I I find great joy in in them prancing with their dicks out. I just think that's great. Well our friend Perry uh has a desire uh that he wants so much, but we're not going to get it. No. But it's so funny. He would love Trump to win the popular vote and lose the electoral vote. Yeah, I think that would be the greatest. That would be so funny. <laughs> the greatest joke in history. <laughs> yeah. We almost got it, though, with the Ginsburg thing, sadly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually authentically, in my, in my morose, uh, in, my, in my quiet drive to the desert uh, side of the road, my brain, it wasn't like out of a snobby thing of like, well, I'm going to move to Canada or I'm going to move blah, blah, blah. My brain authentically drifted. And it was weird to feel this authentic feeling in, 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 just, a, in, in a, just a regular pondering way and not in a reaction to snotty news way. But I was like, if we have four more years of rolling back every pollution standard and, and everything else, and if, if the court decides to uh, say that fetuses are humans, um, I would, I think, want to be somewhere else and find places to do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what happens, right? Then my kids would have emigrated. And if my kids stay there, they have children. 
they'd be talking about how they have roots in America. Like I was like, I really, my brain went to the place of like what it actually means to emigrate and what it means to my family to do something like that. And it wasn't like a snotty, I'm moving to Canada. It was like a weird actual like embracing like what it, the, the weight of what it means to think of not, I never thought before yesterday authentically about never not being an American. Jesus Christ, that is so insane, Matt. So insane. Please do not look at my browser history on my computer. <laughs> um, you know, with Masterclass, <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you get a green card <laughs> in Canada? No reason to look at that because you know you search stuff research. Yeah, just research. <laughs> I'm writing a script about a guy who, anyway, uh, masterclass uh, is the greatest thing in the world. We did a masterclass. Uh, uh, Matt Donnelly is in it. If you want to study masterclass um, uh, about magic, the one they did on us was great. I mean, we had, Teller's a great teacher. We had good information to give. But boy, masterclass does a great job. With masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds. See, me, you never thought. <laughs> Anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace, you can learn how to do magic from Penn and Teller, improve your magic skills. You can do all that stuff. And over 85 classes from a range of world-class instructors. The thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Um, I'll tell you, when you learn from, when we were going to do our master class, I went and watched a lot of them, took them and did them. And ready, how many of you done? A little over 20. And how do you like them? I love them. Can you tell us some of your favorites? My most recent favorite's Ron Howard. Oh, yeah. I watched some of that. Yeah. Who does this very, very long segment where they've brought in actors to do a scene, and he's got a full crew there recording the scene with his direction. And you see exactly how he lays things out and how he adjusts on the fly. It's a full three hours of actual directing, blocking, and troubleshooting. It's pretty amazing. I mean, that's real stuff. And Steve Martin does a does a class on stand-up. It's comedy writing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Unbelievable. I mean, this is the greatest thing. And if you have time, and if you're home, which some of us do and are, <laughs> um, it's a great time to do it. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every master class. And as a uh, Penn Sunday School listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash pen. That's masterclass.com slash pen for 15% off. You got Tony Hawk teaching skateboarding. You got Robin Roberts from Good Morning America for communication. You've got Ron Finley for gardening. Boy, I would like to do gardening. Anyway, you got um, <laughs> American designer Kelly Westler for interior design. I don't even know the name. I'm sorry. And um, you've got Chris Voss, FBI leading international kidnapping negotiation on negotiation. It's just the greatest thing. The wide variety of topics. They're all taught by the real people. Yeah, Neil Gaiman teaches one. Neil Gaiman teaches writing. Yeah, Neil Gaiman teaches one. Crazy. Uh, you can't go wrong with these. Check them out. Masterclass.com slash pen. It's also really reasonably priced. You'll have a great time. And you will love it. Uh, you guys finally watched. I know we talked a lot about this, but uh, I want to bring it up again. If you've not watched the Goes Wrong show 
on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. Now, uh, Matt and uh, Goudeau, you have seen 90 Degrees. Yes. Yeah. I th- Unbelievable. I think it's the fourth episode of, of their series. And um, I've watched it probably four times now because my kids <laughs> wanted to watch it. After we watched it, we decided to watch it again with our kids. And then they want to watch it over and over again and over again. And they keep, we keep pausing to be like, so wait, where is the floor? And we keep kind <laughs> of point out where the floor is in each scene. And I really wish they released it in two ways. I really wish they released it in the way with the cameras unadjusted and with the cameras adjusted. It's really... <laughs> well, you can put it on your phone or your iPad. Oh, yeah. Lock the orientation and turn it with your children. That's what we should That's do. Great. That's, That's a we, good idea. That was a really good idea. <laughs> and how proud am I that they were inspired by our bit on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Well, yeah, clearly they did an upside down scene that was just fantastic. Yeah. Really good. Now, how uncomfortable and miserable were every one of those parts? <laughs> and how willing would you be to do it? I mean, uh, once you think of the idea and everyone says, like, well, yes, we can do that, you have to. I mean, you have to once you once you come up with that the set designers misunderstood the play's <laughs> title ninety degrees. You have to do it, and I think you just hope there's like a, a couple of days of vacation at the end of the shoot or something. You know, like and hope you don't go to the hospital. <laughs> I think you might not might not realize that until the first day of rehearsal on it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, this will be a little uncomfortable. That's funny, and then you'll just get there and start crying. <laughs> How about Henry just falling right through the wall? Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, it looks so strange. When you're in Ringling, uh, they, they build a copy of your room for you. They build a cardboard version of your train room that you're going to move into if you become a circus clown. And they show it to you, and they talk about it, and you laugh, and it's funny. And then the first day you actually join the circus, you go there, and you get in that train car, and you open the door, and you stand in the hallway and cry. Because there's no way to prep you for what it actually is. (laughs) And I think that that's got to be the same thing. You go, no, we'll sit sideways. It'll be funny. And then you get there, and a half hour in, you're going, oh, my God, that hurts. Oh, my God. (laughs) Took uh, They took... uh me and Phil Crowder and one other person who were all over 6'3". And they took us and said, uh, when you go with the circus, you will not be able to lie <laughs> down or stand up in your room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. My room is six feet long. That's okay if you're 5'9". <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is okay if you're 5'9". <laughs> it didn't bother me. It was very comfortable. After a year, that's the other thing. After a year, when you have to move out of that room, you cry again because you it's a nest, you know. You can lie in bed and reach everything in your house. <laughs> and when someone wanted to have sex, yeah, they had to come out into the hall first. <laughs> yeah, that was a problem. <laughs> there was a little heckling. Anytime you had a girl over... And you had to open your door, and both of you step out into the hallway and fold the bed down and climb back in and close your door. Yeah. There was a little noise at that point. Uh, <laughs> but it's all part of the experience for whoever is joining you. No, yeah. <laughs> part of the experience. Yeah. 
Come on back. I'll show you my place. <laughs> Here it is. I have it in my pocket. <laughs> so, um, what else is there to? Uh... Well, you know what? I came up with a new uh, a new job idea that I think Matt and I good be... plan on us. I'm busy. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> We're watching uh, a little bit of football this morning. Oh, okay, and there, you know, as you know, there's no crowd there, but there is a person who must have a dial deciding whether the crowd cheers or boos a play or a penalty because there is crowd noise specific to each of those things. So there is a person who has a dial who says, boo, yay. Are those people watching on Zoom or? They're, they must be watching the show on Zoom live and having a dial where they can go crowd. No, no, up. but I mean, they could also be miking people at their homes. They're not. They do that on AGT. Yeah, the AGT might do that, but the football is not doing that. And I know because one the other night, they had a woman's, a very distinctive woman's screen. And, and every about eight, nine minutes, that screen came on again, which means they're using a loop. <laughs> <laughs> and that they only have eight minutes of material. But you know, they um, all situation comedies up until the 70s were all done on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And they were all done with loops. Essentially, what was called a Mellotron uh, that's used on strawberry fields. And a Mellotron, and I'm sure Reddy's about to jump in and correct me, <laughs> is um, like doing samples, except the samples are really there. You have tape loops of a violin playing an A. Right. And the keyboard plays that loop. Yep. And that's wah, wah, that beginning of Strawberry Fields Forever is that. Um, you're playing tape loops of different notes played in an instrument. And in order to change a Mellotron sound, we had to put in all different tape loops. Mm -hmm. And then it became an emulator, which the residents used a lot, where you could record any sound in the key. That's great. But when they started doing situation comedies, there was a keyboard that a guy sat and watched the show, and he had light laugh, heavy laugh, scream, ah, ooh, ah, applause of all different levels, right. and he played the keyboard. But was that scripted for him? This The writers know this is a good laugh, and so they want a big laugh? Or is it all based on his response? No, 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 no. No, it was, it was not scripted. Because that's, that's what the crowd thing is. So this guy gets to decide, well, that was called out of bounds. Are we excited or are we upset? Yeah, it's called the audience response duplicator laugh box. Well, I think Matt and I would be good at that. <laughs> I would love to learn it. I mean, the, the people doing it, I've watched... Um, one football game and a bunch of basketball games and they're doing a great job. I think it's really, yes, they're doing a good job. It's really funny. When I watched a, a football play where the guy fielded the, uh, the kickoff and started running and it looked like he was tackled, but then he broke a tackle and sprang forward and got like another, another like seven yards and the crowd noise, I thought they went like, Oh, Whoa. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. who the hell is doing that job? They're, they're nailing it. They're nailing it. It's, maybe it's a theremin. <laughs> you just hold your hand closer to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that I would love to learn that. That would look so good. Well, you know something, Matt? Yeah. It's not impossible you'll be doing it on Fool Us. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, this is all hypothetical. 
at some point they're going to say, who's going to do this? That's true. <laughs> and I'm not allowed to do what I normally do. I'm not allowed to be in Allison's little area and, and, and kind of keep, keep, her, keep her spirits up and keep her prepped or whatever. Uh, they've already told me I'm not, I'm not doing that. Can't, can't be in her space. 15 feet away, masked up. Um, and so uh, you're right. I might be writing some other thing. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can get it built into a theremin. Start working on that now. Yeah. Uh, a week from tomorrow, I go into uh, isolation with Teller. We start rehearsing. Oh, interesting. When was the last time the two of you lived together like that? I mean, in a car, maybe. 46 years ago. <laughs> 44 years ago. 24 hours a day with Teller. Oh, that's not true because uh, Teller is going to go home to his bubble. Okay. And I'll be staying there away from my family so that I don't, uh, because Teller's a little more porous than my family. Right. But I don't know. I've been talking to Glenn a lot about this. Uh, we might just be wrong about being as safe as we are. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You're going into, where are you going to go into the Rio? No, there's a house that's been rented. Okay. That has a living room that's been cleared out that will have a backdrop and all our props. Okay. And then it's just a house. Okay. There's a, you know, backyard and a bedroom and I'll, I'll take my CPAP and, you know, my power block weights and I'll, uh, you know, locks of boxes of beans and rice and, I'll go. Speaking of which, I'm a teeny bopper. You made it. I made it. Nice. I am 219.9 pounds today. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and uh, Jason has been saying you're going to get to the teens. Get to the teens. You're going to be a teeny bopper. I'm now teeny bopper. The lowest weight I've had in my adult life. Great. And I got to tell you, Prey Ray is a great way to lose a lot of weight. If you want to lose weight and also keep your muscle so you don't look as gaunt as I looked at the end of losing all my weight, um, Jason Garfield, do a search for Jason Garfield Juggler and write on his webpage. Uh, you can have him uh, train you and do your diet over um, FaceTime, and it is incredible. I like exercising over FaceTime more than I like it in person. It's uh, much cheaper. And he'll also take care of your diet for you. And you've also got Cray Ray. If you want to go to the source and ask the horse, Cray Ray is right there. Um, uh, Ray Cronice, Ray Cronice, and he will get you through. I'll tell you, if you think you need to lose weight, just lose it. I have never felt better in my life. I feel better than I felt at 25. Wow. And Godot was so angry he left it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really amazing. If you have any doubts, if you have any any inkling to lose weight, do it. Uh, I can't say enough, but I'm a teeny bopper now. I made it. Uh, by the way, I think I'm going to, there's still a little bit of fat on me. I think I'm going to go down another, another 10 pounds. I feel so good. And my blood pressure is lower than 100. Oh, nice. And uh, my waist is getting to about half my height, so I'm in good shape. Every metric says I'm doing well. Now, if comedy were real, I would drop dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> that happened on the uh, 
Dick Cavett show, right? He had a guy on talking about health who just went and died. <laughs> and Dick Cavett talks about, which is fascinating, he wrote about that in his autobiography. And um, a lot of people have talked about being there. And um, Dick Cavett says often when he meets somebody, they'll talk about watching that on TV. It never aired. Oh, funny. <laughs> never aired. J.I. Rodale. J.I. Rodale, that's who died? Yeah. And it never aired. And Dick Cavett says not a week goes by he doesn't meet someone who watched it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's that uh, it's that weird, weird thing we do where we make stuff up, you know, um, where we talk about listening to Stern and 9-11 when it happened and, you know, yeah. it didn't happen. So uh, I got to tell you, people, we solved the birds and arms problem. <laughs> Someone said to me that the birds' legs are their wings and their arms are their feet. And they use that to hold and to explore. So birds do have arms. What they're lacking is feet. And they use their wings for transportation. That's been solved. There is not a reason on earth to send us pictures of birds with cocks. <laughs> People are sending pictures of birds with dicks. I never complain about birds not having dicks. Doesn't bother me. And you're pretty sure it's not the birds themselves? <laughs> well, sending unwanted photos. Of I had not considered that. <laughs> we will uh, do some uh, we'll do some forensics on that. My birds now visit my bird feeder right outside the window and they are there all the time. And like sometimes 50 of them at a time. And they were hitting the glass and that was troubling me. So I got like two dozen butterfly stickers. And put them up all over. And now the birds do comedy for me. Because <laughs> now the birds fly right toward the window, see the butterflies at the last minute, and go, whoa! And back up and turn. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the funniest thing in the world. Whoa, whoa, Jesus, what was I thinking? Oh! <laughs> but they don't get injured. And I believe it's good for them. Helps them practice turning. <laughs> My, um... My my oldest son wants a dog. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just a couple of days too late. <laughs> Let him cry himself to sleep for the rest of his life. <laughs> It'll be better. I said, uh, <laughs> he was really out of a neighbor's uh, kids. They got a dog. And so they bring the dog around. Good. They can play with that one. <laughs> well, that's exactly the way I felt. And I didn't realize how much I didn't want a dog until, you know, up until this point, it was like, can we have a dog? It's like, no, your mom and dad travel all the time. There's <laughs> no way we can possibly coordinate all the things that we coordinate with a dog involved. Can't do it. And, um, and my oldest son is seven, which is mentally, I kind of had that age clocked as a good, that would be a good year if you're going to do that in terms of how long a dog lives versus him graduating high school, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, You don't have to care for the dog yourself later. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden, I'm confronted by my very eager oldest son being like, it's, it's time, I want to get a dog too. 
And I said, do you remember how much you begged me for a Penn and Teller magic kit? <laughs> said, yeah, I go, where is that magic kit? <laughs> and, and, then I, and then I was like, remember how much you wanted this game? When was the last time you played this game? You could, <laughs> you could use these words against me. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I pointed to the piano we have in the corner. I go, you told me you were going to learn how to play piano. When was the last time you took a look at that? I said, I'll tell you what. <laughs> how old is the, the, the how old the, uh, is the, the, uh, my neighbor's kid? And he says, he's 10. I said, you're seven. And yeah, I go, you have three years to learn how to play piano and you can get a dog. <laughs> you are a genius. <laughs> wow. They are. That's us. I will take it. If he can, if he can, if he can, if he can, if he can sight read piano. They can absolutely have a dog. They shit. <laughs> and they make noise. And they jump around. And they can suffer. Yeah. And that's the worst part. The piano doesn't suffer. <laughs> so I have to give attention to the dog or I feel terrible. So I give attention to the dog. And I look out my window when I'm writing. To see, um, there's a lizard there. That's nice. To see the birds. <laughs> and instead I see a dog squatting and shitting. <laughs> that have scared the birds away. Well, that's it. I, I, we had just like, right before the pandemic hit, we had just, you know, we were doing Fool Us, which is where I pulled the trigger on an upgrade or two around the house. We had just turfed just the side yard. It was what we could afford because we could turf the side yard. And I literally was like, we just paid for that. And if that turns into just a fucking dog toilet within <laughs> the first year we have it, I'm not into that. I, I don't want to do it. And by the way, just to let you know, your children are lying sacks of shit. <laughs> <laughs> they won't do everything they promise to do when it comes to getting the dog? They will not. <laughs> if you're lucky, your wife and your mother-in-law will do it. <laughs> Oh, you won't be that lucky. No, I will not. I will. Not. I'm that lucky. We all know that no one is as lucky as me. Right. Piff has explained that many times. <laughs> Things go well for me. Yeah. And I'm telling you, don't get a dog. <laughs> if there was anyone who was going to have the story of I never wanted a dog, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. It would be me that would have that story. <laughs> I don't have that story. <laughs> Okay. Also, everyone in the desert. It's funny because other people are like, oh, yeah. get one, you know. Everyone who, who lives in the desert with us here is like, no. Having a dog in the desert is a pain in the ass. It's more so here than other places because the, the ground gets so hot, you have to like either put booties on your dog or carry your dog when it gets to be a certain degree of heat or whatever. So it sounds like a big pain <laughs> in the ass. But you know what? We don't have fleas. Oh, good. So that's why all ukuleles in Vegas are out of tune. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm glad we got around back to this topic because at the top of the show, you told a 14-minute story about being on The Tonight Show. And the only thing I heard in that story was, you have a non-barking room. <laughs> and all I want to know is about the construction and or methodology of that. <laughs> so now you have the floor 
This is, you have a sensory deprivation tank for this. Essentially, <laughs> the non-barking room is Z's bedroom. Because in Z's bedroom, when Z is in there with the dog, the dog is content and happy, and Z closes his curtains, and the dog can't see when anyone arrives at the house. Oh. I see. So he literally goes into sensory deprivation with your son. Yes. <laughs> and is this a career path that Z is considering? <laughs> <laughs> Good job. We just found our job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How come you get to do the crowd noise and I got to hiss it with the dogs? <laughs> uh, there's so much more to talk about, but right now <laughs> you can use my words against me. That was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha, cha, cha. And to you become naked. The first words of Mendocino, the first lyrics of Mendocino by the Sir Douglas Quintet are Teeny Bopper, and that's me. And another line in that song, lyrics, because the first words are where the band were back, is, as I told you, can you dig it? So as I told you, can you dig it? You know we love you. <laughs> hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against the shock if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 